It's the Winning Ticket Podcast, where having fun is minus 1,000. With your hosts, Dean Contrino, Joe Hoffman, Zach Nasciolo, and Johnny Della Luna. Here comes the money. That's right. Here comes the money. Welcome back to the Winning Ticket Podcast. We're having fun. Is minus one thousand. It is me, Dean, as noted by the Dean Head Sounder. I'm gonna play a little bit of a different role here. You're gonna hear from all the members of the panel normally, but um, we're a little different. We're a little scattered around. We all have our our things going on. So I'm gonna be playing uh, the role of host tonight. So before we get into our big bank picks and all of our segments that are herald, uh, much heralded by our fans, and uh, you know this year I, I know that some of the guys on their sounds uh, they don't really, you, you know we kind of go into the the reasons why maybe our record isn't as illustrious as it has been over the years, but honestly um, the way that I want to address that is you know you're only as good as what you've done lately, and it's one of those things I followed up an immaculate week with a one in one week. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where, like I always preach, if you're in it for the long haul over the, the season, I mean 52.5 through 55% is kind of where we're going to end up. So, you know, while we're in the dip, I guess by the dip, uh, so to speak. So, so stick with us. I mean, we, we do this as um, to, to varying degrees, but it's uh, more than a hobby to most of us. I mean, you know, while, uh, while we're all doing our real jobs, we're also, you know, listening to multiple podcasts, uh, watch I watch film. Things of that nature, so we're a little bit crazy with it. But I want to address a couple of things that happened in Week 7, um, just some teams overall that maybe the guys will mention, maybe not, maybe I will. I'm not really too sure yet. Um, guys, there's a lot of teams that I'm just ready to kind of move on from. I know that the Broncos didn't have Russell Wilson. I know that now they have a weird travel spot coming up. But the Broncos are one of those teams I'm going to throw away, slash circle, and look to uh, kind of fade moving forward. I know that's not really groundbreaking stuff, but I'm officially done with trying to get any value out of them. Also, my one win last week was a Packers derivative. I let John and Joe pick for me uh, what play I wanted in that game. And, you know, I wrote the handicap out for Packers minus four and a half, full game to cover the spread. Um, They had said that the first quarter was a little bit more uh, safe. And that's kind of the one thing I want to say about derivatives. You know, if your handicap is this team will come out hungry why don't you look for the, those halves and quarter bets and not so much of, um, you know, team A is good, team B is bad, therefore I'm going to take the spread no matter what it is. That's a strategy for losing um, if I've ever seen one. So that's why I, I always go for, like, the derivatives um, because I really want to hone in and get the maximum out of some of these uh, handicaps, especially if they're a motivational edge or um, a fatigue um, handicap kind of thing. So that's why I did that. That was my only uh, win last week. And, boy, the Packers, you know what? They are not a very good team. I think it was last week I was saying, you know, um, the Jets and Giants losses were a little bit excusable from traveling and underdog mentalities. And, of course, like these teams got up for some motivation. I understand those pieces. But when you lose at Washington, a pretty bad team in and of itself with their backup quarterback who doesn't take reps regularly – it just was a mess, and it's one of those things, too, where the Packers went up early, and they just gave it all away. They're just one note. They don't do anything particularly well. They don't run the ball well. They don't pass the ball well. Uh, they're just not a very good team. So that's one where, um, you know, the Bills may be in my personal ledger at some point. I thought about making them a big bank play, but, um, you know, I'm going to wait and listen to, to what some of the panelists say. 
So that's oh, and then of course I I don't want to move on without talking about the Patriots and how um, you know I've been saying oh yeah Bill Belichick's back and you know he really um, you know he got his coaching stripes and he's the greatest coach of all time well, he is don't get me wrong but this past week what I saw was probably one of the worst boneheaded outsmarting yourself decisions I've ever seen so whenever you have a quarterback a backup quarterback that's winning and the team is feeling good you know. These are players on a field they that you're asking to, you know, put their their bodies on the line. I hate to sound dramatic, but you're asking them to, you know, to do a lot. And and these are young guys and maybe like down the line have some repercussions later on in life. And you're asking a lot of them. So in order so if you're a coach and you don't know what you're doing or you make the the guys believe that you don't know what you're doing, they're not going to really respond well. And when you take a a guy who hasn't played in 4 weeks, put him in and then bench him after two series just because the crowd's chanting for the backup. That, I mean, if I'm a Patriots player, I don't know who to play hard for or not. Uh, I don't want this to be misconstrued as, like, the players could mutiny. That, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, with all this confusion going on, I, it looks like the Patriots just never got into a rhythm. They had a little spark with Zappy, but, man, they used it too early. It's kind of like uh, the old Guitar Hero game. You used star power um, way early, and then you failed later on in, in the song, and that's exactly what happened. Zappy had them storming back. Um, it was 14-10, and then it looked like a done deal, and then the Patriots just never adjusted from there. So maybe Belichick and uh, his conglomerations of former head coaches kind of outsmarted themselves. So the Patriots definitely get a downgrade there. So that was uh, kind of my assessment of week seven. I'm sure the guys will kind of mention some of their thoughts as well. And without further ado, let's throw to the big bank. Big bank picks. All right, everyone, I will start us off this week in the big bank. That's right. You hear that, uh, that can pop, you know what time it is. I'm going to start with mine. I'm going to do two plays this week for one and a half units each. And um, I had a, a slight, you know, correction. And it's one of those things where I actually think the market may do more with this. So if you're listening, you could um, maybe hold off on this one. But for the Big Bang purposes, my first play is I'm going to go with the Bengals minus three Monday Night Football in Cleveland couple reasons. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I actually said that the Bengals are kind of done. Today, we just got bad news about Jamar Chase. And there's a handicap that I kind of am trying to work with when it comes to all sports. But I guess the most frequent or the, the most recent one that I can re- think of is the Christian McCaffrey handicap where, you know, the players that I just went on about how there's humans actually that, that do this thing. So the Bengals players know that Jamar Chase is now out four to six weeks, right? So do you think that T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are hanging their head and Joe Burrow going like, oh, no, we're not going to cover now? I think quite the opposite. I think T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and uh, whoever their fourth wide receiver is, they're going to want to step up and really uh, make some plays and get their shot now too. So, of course, I'm not saying that they're not going to feel any difference losing Jamar Chase, but the Browns have been so, so bad. They run the ball entirely too much. Um, they were running very effectively the first couple of weeks, and now they aren't. And it's one of those things where they're very beatable. They really need Deshaun Watson back, who um, it had yet another – I know that we, we don't really talk about his legal issues, but he had another um, complaint filed against him, let's call it. So it's one of those things where I wouldn't be surprised at this point. We're nearing Halloween. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these Browns players are hanging their heads going, you know, why do I have to put my body on the line for 12 weeks waiting for this guy who may or may not be a criminal – to come back and be our savior. Uh, Jacoby Brissett just isn't it. I think that the Browns um, are very sneaky 
close to having it having the bottom really fall out on them. And then the Bengals have really been uh, greatly improved. They look a little bit more explosive now. A lot of that was due to Jamar Chase, I'll admit. But um, I think Tyler Boyd really popped off last week. I believe he led all receivers last week in uh, receiving yards. So, I mean, the, it could certainly be worse. Um, it, I could see if Jamar Chase was, like, uh, on the Titans or something and they lost him, they would go back to having nothing. But um, I think the Bengals still have f- plenty of firepower. I wouldn't be surprised if this actually turns into a laugher. So I have no problem laying the three. The reason why I said to hold out for the market is this game was at three and a half. Jamar Chase goes down. He is correctly worth half a point, in my opinion. Um, last week when CMC got traded, I believe that that line went from uh, 11 to 13 and a half, so two and a half points. I think it was one of those things where, let's just say my model also made it 11. I would you know, then take that 13 and a half points, uh, but my model actually made it around 13, so it was a no play. Um, I was saying like 14 would be my buy price, and look what happened. The, the Panthers really got up for that game. Uh, to show the world, like, hey, we're not just one player. I think a similar handicap happens here, and the Bengals cover the field goal uh, for my first one-and-a-half unit play. So you've heard a lot of me so far. Let me throw to one of my uh, panelists for uh, their first play. Well, with my first bet, I'm going to go with Panthers plus four-and-a-half on the road in Atlanta. We see all the time when teams sell at the deadline, it actually gives a short-term boost to the selling team. So when Robbie Anderson is gone, he's causing havoc on the sidelines. It's a boost for the locker room to get him out. Um, it gives the the players in the current regime a nice opportunity to, to showcase who they are and what they can do. Same with McCaffrey. Obviously, that hurts on the field, but that's a very good locker room boost. Um, we see the same at quarterback with, with Baker. P.J. Walker had uh, an above-average game against the Bucks. It wasn't stupendous by any means, but... He was getting their uh, their good players involved. Their run game with Foreman and Hubbard actually was pretty solid uh, against the Bucks. You 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 know you really can't do that. Um, and this Falcons team is very poor against the run. They're very poor defensively. So I'm going to be taking the points here in a divisional matchup. Um, I don't see the Falcons deserving to be four and a half point favorites really against anybody. I mean we we have talked plenty of times about how much I, I love and we love the Falcons offense, but. In reality, four and a half points getting above that field goal. Um, I like the Panthers here. I think they could even win outright. So believe it or not, we did not plan this. Uh, I was uh, going off about my Panthers uh, spiel, and then um, I loaded the file up for Joe, listened to it, and then realized that uh, he kind of made the same point as me. And that's what happens. We, you know, when two uh, when two meteorologists look at a weather pattern, they see that it's going to rain. When two sharps watch a football game, they see the same thing. So uh, shout out to Joe for for that astute observation. You know what? Let's let's feed the hot hand. Let's go back to Joe for uh, his second play. This next one is an interesting one. I got Bears plus nine against the Cowboys in Dallas. This was tough. Uh, I got to upgrade. The Bears a little bit. Um, sometimes when you have just such a ridiculous type of offense, it's hard to stop, um, and you need a lot of film, and you need a long-term sample size to finally squash it and blow a team out that is completely inferior. You know, we see it in college with with Army. You know, they run that that weird like option thing or whatever, um, and we're kind of seeing it with the Bears. Um, very strange offense. The way that they run, not just how often they run. That could be pretty hard for defenses, but the way that they run is pretty archaic and pretty weird. Cowboys have a good D, of course, but 
They're not amazing stopping the run. Um, nine points is a ton for a Cowboys team that just crushed the Lions um, really in score only. Um, the Lions had a couple of costly turnovers, missing Amon Ra after it was like the second play of the game. No Swift. Um, so kind of a depleted Lions team. Unfortunately, I was on the Lions side. Um, and then a misleading final with the turnovers at the end. It just all fell apart in the fourth quarter. So give me those nine points against the Cowboys. Again, they should not be favored by nine points, really, against anybody. Interesting one there, of course, uh, from Joe. It's, it. I mean, I, I kind of agree. I think that the, uh, the Bears, I mean, they haven't... They're an easy team to dunk on and say, you know, they don't throw the ball. They don't throw the ball enough. But, man, when Justin Fields is running for hundreds of yards, I think that that's where they're really at their best. I mean, a little bit of shout-out to Fields, Herbert, and Montgomery, probably the three, the best three-headed monster backfield, so to speak, in the NFL. It's just a matter of uh, can they throw it a little bit downfield. The Cowboys, uh, I think that their defense is for real. But, of course, uh, Joe will have a little bit of an assessment, a different assessment than them because – the Lions could do no wrong in his eyes. So I, I wish that someone believed in me as much as Joe believes in the Lions, no matter what happens. So a uh, little bit of a funny one there. Uh, l- let me throw the audio on to uh, our good friend Zach really quick. What's up, ladies and gents? It's Mr. Las Vegas, Mr. 4 0, Mr. Kicking Ass. That is right, baby. I had an absolutely flawless week. Despite not being there to defend myself last week when my fellow panelists were coming to my, uh, really coming after me, man. A lot of doubts on my picks, but wound up having the perfect week, baby. 4-0, Chiefs rolled the Niners, Browns covered the 6.5, probably could have won outright if not for a couple of uh, really bad calls by the refs. Giants went outright, Jets went outright. I mean, it was just a beautiful, profitable week. Um, <laughs> seems like Zach Fatlock is, is just cursed no matter who's putting it in at this point. Um, but let's get right into it, guys. There's a lot of interesting plays on the board this week. Um, a lot of really, really kind of low spreads because there's not a lot of winning football being played in the NFL this year. It's, it's truly bizarre. I mean, my, pretty much everyone's power rankings, you have three good teams. You have the Bills, you have the Chiefs, you have the Eagles, and that is it. Um, with that being said, let's get right into it. Our week eight big bank plays. Starting off for one unit, I am taking the New England Patriots. Minus one and a half going into MetLife Stadium. I apologize, Jet fans. You are riding high, but you unfortunately just ran into the Bill Belichick buzz saw. Uh, if they did not just get embarrassed on Monday Night Football, I actually lean the Jets. But this is just a situation in which the Patriots are going to give you everything they have. You want to make the uh, the you know the argument that oh, Patriots don't even have a quarterback. Um, believe it or not, Patriots, despite getting run all over with, they actually have two of the best cornerbacks. Uh, in the entire league, PFF, uh, I believe they're the only team with two PFF ratings over 90, um, which is a little bit of tidbit there. I know Zach Wilson has struggled um, a tad throwing the ball down the field, uh, and the Jets' defense has been pretty stout. But you know what? If there's somebody who's going to come in there and find a way to take away the run and force Zach Wilson to throw the ball, it's a Bill Belichick coach team. Um, unfortunately, Jets, the fairy dust has run out. You're going to have to lose your division opponent next week. I'm taking the Patriots 
minus one and a half, one unit, just given the head nod to the to the coaching of Bill Belichick coming off of a legit embarrassing loss to the Bears. For my second play of the week, for one unit, I am taking the Titans, minus two, going up against the Texans. Once again, I, I don't understand how this is only two points. Uh, you're telling me on a neutral field, or even if the Titans were home, they'd only be five-point favorites against the Texans. Texans seem to do all of their scoring when they're completely out of it. Uh, talks already about them uh, trading Brandon Cooks. I know Mills plays a little bit better at home, but it seems to me that Titans' defense has stepped up big time this year. Uh, I don't see them being – I mean, it could always be a close game, obviously, um, but the Texans still seem to be finding themselves in, in, in a rebuild year. Um, and the Titans really are looking to take control of that division and kind of run away with it. So in a way, against a divisional opponent, this is kind of a must-win game. Um, so really not looking any further than that. I don't care if it's the, a trap or not. I don't see any way the Titans really blow this one by, uh, you know, I can see it being a close game maybe, but two points. I'm going to take that all day. And my last play, I am also going to take a <laughs> – seems to be I like all the road teams this week. Uh, but I'm taking the Commanders plus three against the Colts. I'm taking the gamble. They're playing a rookie quarterback. I know you you might think that, hey, you know, this is, could be uh, – you know, a situation where the Commanders are fat and happy coming off a win against the lowly Packers uh, and the Colts are, um, you know, the Colts are just starting a rookie quarterback. And anytime it's a rookie quarterback's first start system, he might not be familiar with. I know the Commanders aren't world beaters, but getting three points, why not? I mean, I'm going to take that all day. Um, the Colts really haven't scared anybody. They haven't played well enough um, to, to to really warrant being a home favorite at all. I know their record's a little bit better than the Commanders, but it seemed to me that Heineke was the spark that the Commanders needed in order to, to get going. Uh, so no more rambling. We're just going to take the Commanders plus three as my final play in the big bank. So we're, we like the road teams, baby. So uh, just to repeat that, my plays are Patriots minus one and a half for one unit, Titans minus two for one unit, and the Commanders plus three for one unit. You know, the one benefit of uh, recording this way is that I'm hearing my, my guys speak for the first time. And uh, this is a live reaction. Very funny. Um, I actually didn't really have my plays all set. You know, I'm doing a lot of uh, personal work as well um, as my my real job has been quite demanding lately so i haven't been up on my stuff as much and just looking at the big board i was like oh you know maybe you know maybe go to indianapolis plus or uh, minus three at home um you know sam ellinger first start ever maybe that that's a spark that they need but uh you know zach's handicap actually was pretty good um the commanders just won maybe they're starting to believe themselves i, I you know I, i'm sounding like john <laughs> that's no offense to john but you know I'm, I'm kind of buying into like the uh you know, the human aspect this week, you know, maybe they're buying into, Hey, you know, we were kind of shit with Carson Wentz. He's hurt Tyler Heineke. This is the guy that we had last year. And like, you know, maybe these players are going to, are going to play a little bit harder. They pulled off, you know, and I guess you could call an upset. I mean, they were four, four point, um, underdogs at home. I think it's one of those things where, uh, Zach actually said it completely right. This would be pick them on a neutral field. I think that Vegas has no idea what to do with the spread of that game. And therefore, um, they're just giving the Colts three points for being the home team, which I think that's a, a little lazy. So that's definitely something to capitalize. So, um, you know, good play there by Zach. 
Now, before we wrap up, I, I know that John had mentioned that he's not really going to be submitting the audio um, during his hiatus of, uh, I guess it, it would be his paternity leave of, of the Winning Ticket podcast. But, um, you know, he uh, he's, you know, still not a father. So uh, let's throw to some audio from him that he was so kind to submit. Hey, guys, it's John. Not a father yet. Trying to be a winner at the same time. Not a winner this week. Um, but looking to change both of those facts as we go into week eight of the NFL. Thank you again for not fast forwarding through this part. I promise uh, there's at least some some fun content in here uh, and certainly what I hope to be some winning content. If if I can, you know what, if, if I can get like 30 seconds here to just briefly address what's going on. I know that the NFL has been kind of wacky this season. There's metrics around like most of the unders hitting in a lot of these games, a lot of offenses and teams not performing to standards i know scoring is down by a couple of points as well so it really is kind of messing up the numbers uh and i could tell by the research that i do the uh sports writers that i read about and the picks that they make they're also equally struggling so um certainly not an excuse or a cop-out to any degree but the the nfl season metrically has been kind of all over the place so we just keep pressing on and i i hope and i trust that these will be winners for this week so i have two big bank plays for that segment i'm taking the jaguars giving two and a half points they're playing london a home game against the denver broncos not much to say really about the broncos that hasn't already been said there's rumors this week that if for some reason the broncos struggle against the jaguars there a lot of stuff can happen a domino effect Nathaniel Hackett's job is is on the line. You now got uh, players like Bradley Chubb, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, all of them going through uh, the trading process. There's a lot of teams are calling for them, so they could be traded away. Essentially, what does this team do? Essentially, turning into what was supposed to be a Super Bowl bid into a potential mini rebuild. That's kind of how I'm reading this, um, and I don't trust that. Despite all the stuff you're seeing from you know Russell Wilson doing knee highs on the plane and changing his his training habits, not having any downtime prior to this game. I'm still not believing in the Broncos' offense, I should say. Their defense has actually been pretty fantastic. But that offense putting up nine points against the Jets, I'm not believing in. And having watched the Jaguars extensively last week, I think that the Jaguars are a team that is much better than their 2-5 and five record. And I think this is one of those games that breaks their way. So I'll take them as a, t- uh, I'm sorry, as a field goal favorite, giving two and a half points. I think Trevor Lawrence... Travis Etienne, these are guys that that are decent players. They have a lot to improve upon. I trust Peterson, obviously, in a coaching advantage in this matchup. And I think that the Jaguars' defense just has to clean up a lot of the mistakes, a lot of penalties that they're making, and I think they could actually be a pretty decent team down the stretch. So even though this is in London, that's one of their home games, I'm going to give this one to the Jags, minus 2.5. My last big bank play, so that first one was 1.5 units. Second one is another 1.5 as my dog cheers me on in the background if you could hear that i'm taking dolphins at lions under 51 and a half how absurd that teams that scored both 16 and 6 points last week against not too great competition are now facing each other with a line i think it might be one of the highest lines of the week it has to be a 51 and a half and i just preface this by saying that a lot of unders have hit this year how in the world does this get to 51 and a half this is an anomaly to me 
the Lions went from being a 35 points per game scorer all the way down to a 28 points per game scorer after getting blanked. They came back, uh, by the Patriots I should say, they came back from their bye. I know Dallas is a good team, but they put up six points, a measly six points, costly turnovers on offense for them. And now I don't know what the math is, what they're averaging, but it's certainly not leading up to a 51 and a half point. Uh, total, and I think the Dolphins are a team that's that they can certainly score points. They didn't do it a lot against Pittsburgh. I don't know what happened there. Maybe the prime time lights to a coming back. A couple of things went in that direction because that game was a heavy under bet as well. Um, I think that. This is a game where the Dolphins won't have to score very many points. I know the Lions' defense is susceptible to giving up a ton. I actually see this game being played kind of like last week. Cowboys scored 24, and I think they scored like a late field goal or touchdown that didn't even really matter in the game either. I just don't see either of these teams putting up more than 20 points um, you know, out of necessity. I don't, I don't think even if the Dolphins were to get up to a high... Uh, score. I don't think the uh, the Lions would be able to catch them. So, again, this is just a weird one at under fifty one and a half. Two really good ones there by Jono. It's a, it's funny. I think that um you know as a regular person, um, maybe if you if you're a listener um and you're just going through the the ledger, you can look and go, oh, Lions defense stinks. Like fifty one and a half. Let's take that over. Uh, Miami two. Uh, let's let's go. I think that John um you know perfectly mentioned like. You know, it's very important that we have to always update, you know, what's happening lately. I know that there's some good metrics. I, um, I believe the website is Team Rankings, where on every single uh, stat and metric, you could filter on the last three games. Um, that's something that, you know, if there's a particular, um, you know, data set that you're like, oh, yeah, but keep in mind that there was a, a huge blowout at some point. Um, that's always something that we look to fade. Like, I, I remember the year... Um, where the Ravens scored like 56 against the Dolphins week one. And that's something that, you know, we, we had to omit that from all the, the metrics because it was kind of just a, a runaway. So um, what have you done lately, I think, is a, a big theme here. And, um, you know, shout out to John for, for honing in on the Jaguars. Of course, that connection is the Jaguars have paid, played in London. Um, I believe more than any other team, they have a winning record there. Uh, famously, they were the only Urban Meyer win. And the connection and the reason why... There's so many Jaguars fans, specifically in London. Is Shad Khan, owner of the Jaguars, is also the owner of a couple of English Premier League teams. So it's one of those things where he pays for advertising of the Jacksonville Jaguars in London. So it's kind of like one of those things where um, I know on the East Coast, if you're watching football, you could see like a Carl's Jr.'s ad and you're like, oh, where's the closest one? And it's New Mexico or some shit. <laughs> so it's one of those things where, um, you know, there's a lot of built-in fans without ever having to, um, you know, go to Jacksonville, thank God. So that's a that's a good edge right there that John had uh, identified. And let's throw to Joe for his final uh, big bank pick. All right, last pick here. I'm going to be going with Cardinals-Vikings total here. We're going to go over the 49. So Cardinals offense, uh, I was nervous with Hopkins coming back. I'm not the biggest Hopkins guy. I'm a Hollywood Brown guy. I know that's ugly to say. I'm sure it's ugly to hear. I was nervous, um, and Hopkins, you know, was really moved around. Good job by Cliff. They moved him in. They moved him out. They look like an actual modern air raid type of offense that, you know, we've seen flashes of. Uh, I think that this offense can be more explosive now. Um, we got to get Kyler in space more. I think Eno Benjamin 
Um, James Conner's coming back, unfortunately, but Eno Benjamin provided a spark, and uh, you know it. It really it was a nice game to to watch. Finally, we got a good primetime game. I know that the the misleading score for the Cardinals was because of those two pick sixes, but you know in reality the the defense played well enough, but. I don't think that that is repeatable by any means. So uh, let's go over to the Vikings side. Vikings um, have had some time to prepare for this one. Um, at home, Kirk Cousins on a 1 p.m. We know that uh, he really feels comfortable there. Um, and I think that their offense has been clicking as of late. It hasn't really shown up on the box score, but they look great um, numbers-wise, uh, metric-wise, in yards per play and all the uh, advanced stats. So give me the over of 49 here for both of these teams. And now for my final big bank play, um, I've kind of been mulling it over a little bit. And uh, there is, I think it's more so, this is the way that I look at betting boards is I look at teams that I want to attack more so. I look at teams that I want to back. And this is a scenario where I have two. Now, I, I believe that Zach said it in his big bank sounder that, you know, there are three good teams. It's the Bills, Eagles, Chiefs, and then that's it. So if you follow down that line of logic, um, there's not much difference between, let's just say, the Vikings, who are 5-1, and one, and a team that maybe was on the wrong side of some of those uh, wins and losses and haven't outwardly looked that bad. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Las Vegas Raiders, minus 120 for one and a half units as my final play. Um, the Raiders are just a couple of, of hair lengths away from being like 4-3 and three and right in the mix of, you know, hey, everyone's kind of bad. Um but, you know, they're all right. It's kind of the basically the point that I'm making is that there's not much differentiation between team four, which is the clear tier two and team like 16 or so. And um, I have the Raiders here a lot higher than the Saints in my power rankings. It's one of those things where, you know, the Saints, I, I, I hate to be the one waving this flag, but. Maybe they're kind of getting done. Maybe they're going to be done with Dennis Allen after this year. Maybe it'll be a quick one. Uh, Michael Thomas hasn't even thought about practicing. He hasn't even considered going to work. It's one of those things where, you know, he says my toe hurts, and then that's that's that. <laughs> There's no, no ifs, ands, or buts. It kind of reminds me of Kawhi the year that he sat out in the NBA and just straight up like, nah, I don't feel like it. It reminds me of the, the SpongeBob episode where they put his brain in the robot. Like... <laughs> It, that's that's what I want to do to Michael Thomas. Put him in a body that has a toe. Uh, same thing with Jarvis Landry. A ticky-tacky injury that's just, you know, for some reason they're not playing. I think that some of these guys, they have cluster injuries at the skill positions. Jameis Winston apparently is okay, but is not playing for some reason. I think Dennis Allen might just be outsmarting himself. The Saints fucking suck. And the Raiders, you know what? The Raiders are the same as what they have been. In the preseason, we were like, you know what? They're not going to be that good, but they have some big names. And, you know, that's pretty cool. The Chiefs game, they really should have won. The Titans game was pretty close. They've lost. They've been on the wrong side of all these coin flips, and I think this is going to be another coin flip game. It's really short odds. I think the Raiders come away with a win here. So without further ado, let's get into our segments. That's right. It's so big. It's Zach's Fat Lock. Week 8 Fat Lock. Once again, we are trying to get back on the board. This year has been nuts for the teasers. Of course, last week, the one teaser I placed for my fat lock, I didn't give out because I wasn't there, and it was a winner, but who cares about that? I need to give you guys some money. So here we go. Week eight's fat lock, three legs, plus 140, uh, plus seven and a half, I believe I did here, plus seven for plus 140. Here we go. I got the Cardinals plus 10 and a half at Minnesota, Washington plus 10 at the Colts, Tennessee plus five at the Texans. 
that is my fat lock this week. Already told you about the Titans. Already told you about the Commanders. And the Cardinals should be a little rejuvenated with DeAndre Hopkins back. They're coming off a big win against the Saints, even though their defense is in shambles. But Minnesota this year has played down to their opponent pretty much every week and wind up coming out with a win. Um, so you can make the argument Vikings coming off a bye, but Cardinals play on Thursday night, so they got a little bit of extra rest as well. Uh, don't really have a lean that game uh, to take a. I'm not determined enough to take either of these teams with the spread. Uh, but that 10.5 is juicy because I don't think the Vikings have really won any game uh, except for the Dolphins last week was probably their biggest victory of of the year, and they still didn't kind of run away with it until the fourth quarter. Uh, so there it is. Zach's fat lock. Cardinals plus 10.5, Commanders plus 10, Titans plus 5. Let's get it. Man, I'm feeling really good about that one. I think that uh, we're, we're due for the big bounce back here. Let's go uh, for the ZFL. And, um I don't. I don't do the uh, the 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 whole shtick as good as John, and uh, I don't actually have the ukulele sounder. But let's get into uh, John's. Uh, let's get parlayed. So for let's get parlayed, don't have the music this week, but that's okay. You can envision it. We're cruising. We're cruising. Um, we had. I I can't really. In in terms of last week, the Patriots just put up a complete slopper of a game on Monday Night Football. No motivation whatsoever. Belichick outcoached by Matt Eberflus somehow. And obviously now a quarterback controversy in New England that wasn't warranted for any particular reason. So why that's happening is is beyond me. And of course, we had the Dolphins winning that half of the parlay. I'm going back to a same game parlay. Let's get parlayed. I'm taking the Eagles money line coming off of the bye against the aforementioned Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm taking the over of 43 and a half for plus 130 odds. I think that this this game could, you know, the, the Eagles could drop 20 plus plus points at any given moment. And I think that the Steelers' offense actually is, they're getting better. They're not great. But I think in a game script where they're probably going to have to pass a lot more, they're going to be able to produce points against this Eagles' defense. I think Kenny Pickett just needs to cut down on the turnovers. I mean, how many times have you heard that with a rookie quarterback? And I think he's starting to find a little bit of a rhythm that we saw in that Dolphins game. And again, maybe if that's a game that's played at 1 o'clock instead of on Sunday Night Football, maybe the results would have been a little bit different. Maybe it would have went in the Steelers' way. So I trust that this game will go over 43.5 points. It's really not all that much. I think that's pretty standard for for this year. So again, for one unit, Eagles money line and over 43.5 total points. That's a real juicy one there. Honestly, like I, I love doing the uh, same game parlays, but when I like to just take like a random leg that's just like so like so gonna happen. Like I, I know there's one. Uh, shout out to Matt, who's actually a founding member and a longtime uh, listener and panelist and and overall good good brother there. Um, he likes to build same game parlays for props that he misses. Um, for example, I'm watching the Thursday night football game. Rashad White. Rushing yards, I think the lowest one that they listed was like 15. You could just pair that with like, I don't know, Ravens to score more than two and a half first half points. Um, and then you get that up to minus 110. So um, I love taking same game parlays where there's one leg that's like, you know, let's take some of the VIG out and just make it like impossible. So, um, or, or rather um, take the VIG out of one that is 100% going to hit. And just kind of seeing where, where the chips fall there. And, ju- you know, I hate to be disrespectful. And I could probably get killed for this one. But I think the Eagles winning outright is 
that thing that is definitely going to hit. So um, really like the let's get parlayed here. I have a feeling we're going to have a contentious dog pound, so let's get right into that. The dog pound. All right, boys. I'm coming off of two back-to-back Giants dog pound wins. Uh, I don't have I don't have the gall or gumption to do it again. But um, I am what what I was looking for. I you know I was kind of obsessed with. I want to take some bigger dogs. I want to give the people some some more value because earlier in the year I was um, kind of losing on some of these that were like. Even even one double dog pound was minus 105. Those just feel gross. Um, I don't have a big dog here. I have a puppy here, which um, may be a little bit interesting to some. But this is a home underdog. By the time that you guys listen, they might the, it might shift back around and they might become favorites. But I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams plus 105 at home against their daunted uh, rivals, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, a lot to unpack here. The Rams, they got absolutely blown out the last time that these two teams played. Completely shell-shocked. Extra time here. Sean McVay's a genius. I think that this is a time that, you know, he really got the troops back together. They're moving on from Cam Akers. He's not even involved anymore. Um, they have a rookie running back, Kyron Williams, who they love. Um, and the, the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, from a fantasy angle, bye week is usually when the coaches kind of reassess some of the usages of the players. Um, it's really a time for great coaches to let their hair down and kind of relook at some things and refocus. So I really like the Rams here. I like McVay with the extra time. Niners coming off a blowout loss. I think that with the addition of McCaffrey, it's going to take a couple of weeks for them to really gel um, into, you know, what kind of an offense they want to be. Um, I know that this is – it's it's kind of one of those things where I'm not saying that getting McCaffrey is a bad thing for them. Don't get me wrong. I just think that – they got another piece that's kind of exactly what they already have. Um, so, like, for example, they have a scat back, like, catch the ball around the line of scrimmage, run some of these sweeps. That's kind of what Debo Samuel does. So now you got two guys doing that. Could be more of a good thing as a great thing, or it could be, you know, maybe diversify their portfolio a little bit, but uh, it didn't look like it happened here. I just think that the Rams' immediate revenge. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the the – the replay of the Debo Samuel, the long touchdown last time they played, where everyone on the Ram, or excuse me, everyone on the 49ers ran up to Jalen Ramsey to basically dunk on him. I think one of the linemen, too, uh, actually grabbed him by the helmet and pointed his head at the end zone, saying, like, look at the play you just gave up, which is, you know, kind of bullying if it wasn't, if I may be so bold there. So I think extra motivation to come out and actually smash this team. I love the Rams this week, plus 105. Almost made them one of my uh, dog pound plays, but. Uh, excuse me, I almost made them a big bank play, but here we go. Let's get the Rams to win outright, baby. All right, baby. We are on a dog pound streak, man. It has been, I believe, it might be the last four weeks. I know for a fact it's been the last three weeks. Funny, funny, back-to-back uh, dog pounds. The New York teams took the Giants, and, man, they have been a wagon. Um, but I'm not going to – I'm not going to – not going to take the Giants again. It was very tempting. Probably will have it in my personal ledger. Um, but I'm going to be a little bit ballsy here. And I'm going to go out on a limb. And I am going to take one of the biggest underdogs on the board. And I know this is crazy. But I think it's worth it. I'm taking a team that is absolutely in a downward spiral right now. Uh, they have lost the last three games in a row. 
to some would argue some of the worst teams in the league. Um, and it's been ugly. It's been ugly. They haven't been scoring points. There's been a lot of miscommunication. The quarterback came out this week and said they're making 13 to 14 mental mistakes a game and that they need to start benching players. But I look at who needs this win more, and I think this is the savior season game for the Green Bay Packers. Zach, you're fucking nuts, right? You're taking the Packers. money line. yes, I am. I think it's worth the juice at plus 410, uh, basically 4-1 to one odds. I just think that the Packers need this game, uh, and, and Aaron Rodgers has never been in this predicament in his career before. Yes, I know Aaron Rodgers isn't the team. I know they've lost the Commanders. They've lost to the Giants. They've lost to the Jets. They've lost to all these teams who really don't have a great offense, but I think this, for whatever reason, is going to be the get-right game for the Packers. I am taking them plus 410 against the Bills, the best team in the league. The way this year has gone, I think Dean has said it in our text messages that no team should be 10-point underdogs this year in the NFL because freaky shit always happens. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I want to right now say that double-digit underdogs this year have already won outright two times. Uh, so what the hell? We just had Carolina, a 14-point dog, winning outright. We had the Steelers winning outright a couple weeks ago. Against the Bucks uh, as a double-digit dog. Funny, both those are against the Buccaneers. But no, I, I am taking the Packers plus 410. This is as big as a must-win game as possible. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm leaning the Packers on this one. Call me crazy, but that is, that's my pick this week, boys. We're hot, so let's keep it rolling. Well, this one really shook me to my core. So it's one of those things that I, I tell everyone. Um, uh, obviously, if you know me, I'm a, I'm a avid sharp in multiple sports. And one is uh, hockey, the NHL. And one of my uh, big tenants, even though it's painful, um, you know, I, I always say, you know, it's it's a hockey game. No team deserve. No team should be three to one, three and a half to one, four to one, like uh, two and a half on the puck line. Like these these are professionals. Like. No, it have some pride and block a few shots and you might, you know, cover two and a half or win out, right? So um, it's kind of that same mentality, you know, transposed into the NFL. Um, it is hard, but I always say, you know, the sharpest picks like taste funny to the ear and, you know, or rather they sound funny and taste funny. And uh, this is a this is a funky one. I feel like, you know, my the Vikings fan in, in my heart says the Bills should win by 70, but, you know, what, how how fitting would it be if the fucking Packers win this game? So, Zach, um, rooting for you because you're my friend, but root, always rooting against the Packers. I always say two favorite uh, – and, of course, being a fan is not a good way to make money in this business. But, um, you know what, for a personal matter, I hope that the Packers lose. But um, if they win now, 4-1, to one, that, that is a little – that's a little much. So uh, I may have to make a, a wallet decision there. So um, you definitely got me thinking about that one, bud. For my dog pound, guys, I'm taking the New Orleans Saints here at plus 108. Uh, simply because they're home, the Raiders are still a team that, I, you know, I think they're better than what the record is, certainly. But they still haven't proven that they're a team that could string together wins and can win, like, in emphatic fashion week to week. The Saints, I know they're they're also equally up and down. I don't think the Saints are 
I don't think the Saints are like a draft drafting in like the top five. They're not a good team, but this is one of those games at home. They're only one and a half point dogs. Like they'll they'll find a way to win this one. They should be getting some healthy receivers back. I'm fingers crossed. I'm hoping. Still waiting to see whether it's Winston or Dalton who's going to be throwing the ball. But I, I think this is a, a better spot for the Saints at home to get one over on again on a team that's still finding themselves out and still trying to figure out if they're a playoff team this year too it's just something about fading the Raiders after a big Houston game makes sense to me so uh again for plus 108 odds I'm taking the Saints well boys it doesn't happen uh it doesn't happen often but me and John are officially head-to-head here uh funny enough he's got his big uh excuse me I got a big bang play on the Raiders he has his dog pound uh, directly against that. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, where it falls. We'll have to develop a side wager there. I'm thinking maybe, you know, he, he's welcoming a, a new daughter to into this world. Um, so maybe, you know, if, if he wins, I'll, I'll buy a pack of formula or something. And, uh, you know, me and my girlfriend are, are in the process of uh, adopting a puppy. So if I win, maybe he uh, owes us a bag of dog food or something like that. So we'll, we'll definitely discuss that one, John, but it's going to be interesting. Uh, I do know that when John mentioned his handicap that he wasn't sure who's starting at quarterback, but um, it has been confirmed that Andy Dalton is starting, and uh, I think he he's kind of shit. So um, I, I kind of like my chances there. All right, so that is a, a very fun and spirited dog pound here. A couple weeks ago when we went immaculate in the dog pound, we had a dog pound parlay. So this week, if you combine uh, the New Orleans Saints, hold on, let me recalculate that. Sorry, my I automatically threw in the Raiders because they're going to win. But if you believe in John's handicap in all of our dog pounds, if you parlay the Rams, Packers, Panthers, and Saints money lines, and you put $10 on that, you would net $564. So it's something if you're feeling... Uh, that bold that's something that that you would want to do to to follow the boys uh we got you guys a lot of really good plays this week uh we've been giving you guys a lot of good plays i'm very proud to say for the last five years and it's one of those things where you know i I hope that you hear the progression in some of our handicaps the way that we attack games and it's one of those things too where you know everyone betting has become so mainstream and it's been legal here for a long time and it's something that you know where else can you find Four guys that, you know, throughout their life, and uh, I hate to be so, like, um, philosophical here, but throughout all their life events, to come together and to keep on providing you guys with plays and audio and um, sustainable winning, it's just one of those things where, you know what, I'm proud of myself. So I'm patting myself on the back audibly here, uh, and, um, you know, we thank you for listening to us because without you guys, we're just four sweaty guys in a basement drinking and yelling, which to be fair, we would do without you <laughs> as well. But um, it makes us feel better and more polished that uh, we have people that listen. So thank you guys for listening to the Winning Ticket Podcast. We're having fun. It's minus 1,000. Uh, this is Dean signing off on behalf of everyone else. And uh, we, we look forward to recording more in the future.